here and we just said, said it how it was. Things were a bit short in our children's ministry and, you know, a great response happened over the last few months. Uh, Betsy told me just this week she's never had such a good start to the year in terms of how many leaders we've got. So can you give yourselves a hand for just the response? Obviously, you're, you're clapping people that are out there right now uh, for the most part, but thank you so much for just responding to the need to love our kids like that. Well, I had a uh, conversation, uh, I've had a couple of conversations recently that have really sat in my heart. I want to bounce out and start to talk about them as we talk about Launch Sunday, the vision that we've got for the year. I had a few conversations with two blokes recently, two unchurched blokes, and we're just talking about the state of the world. Um, One was a neighbour down the street, the other conversation took place in a barbecue that I was at, but they were talking about life, they are just talking about things that were happening out there, and you know what, it wasn't so much about ISIS or, you know, terrorism, Syria, it was really talking about the things that were happening back home, I think at that moment in the news had been just some tragedies that had happened in families, fathers doing terrible things to, to their, his own children and, and, and the trouble that was going on, uh, marriages that were breaking down and as I was talking to these guys they just went deeper and deeper into the, their own sorrow about what they were seeing out there in the world and I remember one of them had a little four-year-old running around his legs and he looked at me and he said, you know, Carl, I, I sort of am worried that one day I'm not even going to be able to protect her. I, I, I can't... I can't stop things of this world happening to her. I just feel like one day I'll go out and something will happen to even to my little girl that I'm in no control of. And I remember I was, the other one I was chatting to, I, I looked him in the eye and I said, you know, because he, he sort of said to me, what hope is there? They both said this, what, what hope is there? And I looked this one guy in the eye and I said, you know, that's why I do what I do. It's why I've given my life up for the church. I know the church gets a bad rap. I know the church isn't glorified in the media, but I happen to believe the church, the local church, is the hope of the world. And I remember this guy, he looked at me and and he didn't disagree with me, but I could see confusion in his eyes about that statement. But I want to say again to Catalyst Church as we launch 2016 that I staunchly believe that and I hope you believe it too. There is no other time like right now, no more important time for the church to stand up and be what it is than in 2016. This world is crying out for God's church to stand up because we are that hope that the world needs. And there is no other option that the world can turn to you know I don't believe the US has got it we're finding that out the UN doesn't have it Russia certainly doesn't have it all of the think tanks and the great things that we come up with and they're not all bad things but they're not coming up with the solution that the world needs the world needs the church to be who she is meant to be you know we kicked off this year being told not to fear not and um I think, like me, you would agree and say, that was a great series. You know, I've had that many people send me emails or just pass me in the hallway or whatever it might be and say, great series. But, you know, for all of the brilliance of being told to fear not, we are told to fear not for a reason. We're told to fear not 
not so that we can be great, so that we can be prosperous, so that in 2016, we as individuals can have a great year, but we're told to fear not because we're part of a church, because God has given us a calling that goes far beyond our own individual lives. And right there in the beginning, the first week in January, I spoke about Abraham, who was told to fear not. And he was told to fear not for a reason. And I want us to look at why he was told to fear not again today as we launch 2016, because I think it gives us a picture ourselves of what we're meant to do. Genesis 12 was when Abraham first got his call from God to do something great. Have a listen to it. The Lord said to Abraham, this is one to three, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now again, this is the launch Sunday. I'm excited in a little while to, to kick off all that we're going to be doing in 2016. It's not even all, it's some. But I don't want us to miss the how. How do we go out into the world? How do we be great people? Because otherwise, here's the truth. I've learned this after, this is now year, this will be going into year seven of leading this church. Otherwise, this is just a pep talk. If we miss the how, it all depends on how well I deliver this message at the beginning of 2016. How skillful I am will determine sort of how long that sense of effervescence that we have to go and do the things of this, that this church wants us to do will last. And you know what? No matter how good I am, I'm never good enough to be able to make our decision, our strength, our will to serve God in 2016 last. Where we find our strength comes from what this scripture has already said to us. And I want to launch out of that as we begin. Just that first principle there that I see in the scripture is what, what is it? It is this, we are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. First thing to see, it's no small point, we are blessed. And I want us to catch a hold of what that blessing really is because maybe for you you're all far more, more mature than me spiritually and you already understand this but for me it's been a revelation of how do I serve the world and this church it comes out of this point I'm blessed but what is the blessing in Genesis 15 a few chapters later it might be months or years later in Abraham's life we see this verse one, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I, I am your shield, your very great reward. Don't be afraid, Abraham. Why? Why aren't we afraid of 2016? Why aren't we afraid of doing the things that God's told us to do? Why? Because I am the shield. I am your very great reward. Hang on. I thought blessing was prosperity. I thought blessing was safety. I thought blessing was abundance. Well, you know what? It may be those things, or it may not. But those things don't matter simply as much as understanding where the real reward lays, and that is in God himself. God says, I am your shield, Abraham. I am your very great reward. 
The reward is what? It's our salvation. It's who we are in Christ. That's what kicks us off. That's what propels us on. You'll remember, if you look at that passage in Genesis 15, again, dipping back into the first week of the year, at the end of Genesis 15, God demonstrates the covenant relationship he has with us and he walks through that sacrifice and he says, it's me that's going to lay down my life for you. That reward is enough for us. That reward is our blessing. That reward is our salvation. Sometimes again, I think we think our blessing is all of these externals, my financial situation, my abundance my skills, my ease of passage into the things that you've got for me, God. And God may or may not choose to give us those things. I think often he does. But beyond all these things, he's already given us our blessing. It is Jesus Christ. It is relationship with the Father. And what I want us to get a hold of right now, this year, is the understanding that you are now blessed. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I can begin a year like this or begin a, a, a season and I say, God, bless me so that I can be a blessing. And here's what I'm really praying. God, give me a special blessing. Give me something extra, extra talents, extra money, a windfall, some finances, extra abilities, extra time. Maybe you've prayed an extra good job so that I can be a blessing. Who's prayed those sort of prayers? I've prayed them. Oh God, get me out of this sickness so that I can be a blessing. God, let me worship lead like Nat worship leads so that I can be a blessing. God, let me be a connect group leader like, like she is a connect group leader. If I was a connect group leader like she is a connect group leader, if you bless me like that, then I could be a blessing, God. And I don't read these passages like this anymore. See, we can run around chasing after the blessing, chasing after the things we want God to do for us and miss the fact that we're already blessed. We're already blessed. We've already got the ability. We've already been given our great reward. And that's a revelation. And if you grab a hold of it, it can make a profound difference in your life. Have you ever gone, I don't know if you've ever done this, gone searching for your keys and you search the house, you search underneath the, the couch and you, you, you lift up the dog. Who's done this before? You call out, Jess, where's my keys? Have you checked upstairs? And you go upstairs, you check upstairs in the bathroom, you check in the fridge because that's where you leave your keys sometimes, right? You check everywhere and then you sort of go like this, right? Who's done this? And you feel the keys deep down in your pocket. Ah, oh, had the keys with me the whole time. And Jess is like, have you found your keys? Yep, got them. All good. Where were they? Yeah, just, it's all right, just got them. Don't worry. They were in your pocket again, weren't they, Carl? Yes, see ya. We had our keys the whole time. We had the blessing the whole time. They were with us. We didn't know. We were looking everywhere. Where's my blessing? They were here in my pocket. I'm not saying the keys are the blessing, but you get the illustration. You know, they, they, I, I just heard this the other day. There was an old lady. She lived a destitute life in 
sort of just on the borderline poverty. She just managed to survive, just made it through, and she died. And then they were packing up a house and sort of moving around. They pulled out a painting she had in her attic. Had a look, somebody looked at that painting. That painting, who wrote that? Who painted that painting? They got it valued. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And it was sitting in her attic the whole time. She was blessed. She didn't even know it. She didn't even know what she already had. She didn't know what was in her possession. She was blessed. She might have been praying the whole time, God, bless me. You are blessed. You are blessed. And we've got to grab this. It's so important that we grab a hold of how blessed we are. We are blessed now. The blessing is yours. You are blessed. Here's some of the things. You are saved from an eternity distant from God. You are adopted into his family. You are justified with Christ like you've never sinned. You are called sons and daughters of God. You are being sanctified. You are being made whole. The power of darkness has no hold over you. The past can't keep you down. There is no fear in the future. And it is all by grace, not by works. Oh God, if only we grab a hold of anything else, beyond anything else, what we have, who we are in you. We are blessed right now. Right now, you are blessed. Oh, Carl, you don't know my circumstances. You don't know the difficulties. No, I don't. But I'll tell you this, you're blessed. Right now, you're blessed. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation, and you're blessed. I'm not minimizing stuff. Those things are real. The Scripture deals with them. But it also reminds us time and time again to understand how blessed we are. You know, I found out this. The Apostle Paul, it's really interesting as you read the scriptures, he writes down prayers all the time. He's praying for people. I pray for this church, I pray for that church. You know what the churches were going through in that time? They were going through incredible hardship and difficulty. They they were being persecuted. They were being dragged off by magistrates, having all their possessions taken from them. Some of them led to, to the lions and fed to the lions. Some of them crucified by the hundreds on the side of the road so that people as they walked into Jerusalem would get uh, a sense of what it meant to be a Christian. And this is all going on. And what does Paul pray for the Christians? As all this external stuff is going on, all this trouble. You know what he doesn't pray for in any of these passages of Scripture? He never prays that their circumstances change. He never prays, God, save them from the lions. God, stop that magistrate grabbing that person and taking them to prison. No, he prays that they would get a revelation of who Jesus Christ is to them. That's what he prays. That if beyond anything else, if you just understand what you have, then you'll have your eyes open. Have a look at Ephesians. Maybe the most classic prayer 3.14, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, they have power together with all the saints. What? To have power together with all the saints. What? To be blessed, to be prosperous, to take the mountain, to have a great church. No, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Christ. Wow, that's what he prays. Now we love verse 20. We normally read verse 20 on Lord's Sunday. I'll read it, it's a great verse. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. In other words, God can do so much more. But do you know what? You don't get verse 20 without verse 19, without grasping how big and how great and how good and how awesome God is in us. If we, if we do one thing, in 2016, it's to know what we have. Know the revelation of who Jesus is to us. I mean, imagine it back then. Hey, Paul, have you heard that Omnisius is being fed to the lions tomorrow? We should pray. Let's gather together. Oh, Lord, strengthen Omnisius in his inner being that he would know your love. Amen. Everyone else is like, what? Paul, pray about the lions. Paul's like, I'm praying about what matters most. He would know how loved he is, how, how much God has done for him. Now, you might be asking, did Paul ever pray about the lions? Personally, I think he probably did. I think he probably prayed that that would not take place. There's nothing wrong with praying about the lions in our life. But it's interesting that what the Holy Spirit chooses to make through the Scripture is not circumstances, not the outward, but the revelation of the blessing that we have because that changes us and it propels us on. We can spend our life looking for the external blessing, for our life to be right, for circumstances to line up, for our health to be perfect, for, for us to feel confident in ourselves and miss the very fact that we're blessed the whole time. Psalm 118.24, very famous psalm. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. And I've never wondered about these sort of psalms before. How can the, the psalmist write that? How on earth could you read that every day of your life when I'm going through this or that? Maybe half, 50% of the days I'm happy to read that. Not, not every day. But you can, you can sing it and mean it every day when you understand the blessing you have, the joy that you have, what Christ has done in you and through you. In fact, I think it's the, the sign of maturity to be able to sing that psalm in the midst of the circumstances. So because I think this matters so much, I want us to worship together now. It's why we've broken up our worship. Before we start talking about what we're going to do, we're going to remind ourselves of how we do it, why we do it, because of the goodness and the greatness of God, because of what He's done for us. Remind your soul, remind your spirit we're going to come back and we're going to be excited about the plans that he's got for the future. Let's stand together and worship. Praise God. Well, I hope you sort of catch a hold of what the point of, you know, that is just to remind us of something about worship. Just a, a, a key even in our own self. Wow, put on a worship CD. When you, when you are struggling with life and circumstances, it, it changes your countenance. It causes you to lift up your head and, and worship Him and just uh, get a different perspective about who you are and why you can rejoice. Now, it's going to keep moving. Why does that mean? Does this mean, again, I just want to say it strong, that we're not blessed in other manners? No, of course not. Our God is so good. He is our Abba Father. He delights in pouring down 
other blessings on us. Does he want to heal us? Of course he does. Does he heal us? Of course he does. Does he give us spiritual gifts? Yes. Does he give us prosperity at times? Yes. Does he give us financial blessing? Yes. But here's what we've got to grab a hold of. It is always for a purpose. It always leads us somewhere. Let's look at where, again, Genesis 12 verse 2. God speaking to Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation, I'll bless you, I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Sometimes we simply paraphrase this to say we are blessed to be a blessing. Sure we're blessed, sure we've got Christ, sure we understand who we are but it's always for a purpose. It's always to bring blessing into the world. You know, this principle is everywhere throughout the scripture. It might be helpful to know that even this passage in Genesis uh, chapter 12 and 15, they believe the first time when it was actually written down and read out, it was written to people that were in exile. It was written to Israelites, Jews that were in exile, that were away from Jerusalem. They're away from their home city. They're actually in Babylon. And it was written to them as a message to remind them that they are blessed to be a blessing. Now, we know, apparently, Pastor Philip last week talked a bit about typology. Well, we see some typology in all of this. We understand that Babylon represents the world. We know that Israel represents us, people of faith. And here's an interesting thing. Genesis 12 tells us, 15 tells us, Jeremiah 29 verse 7 uh, says it again, that you are blessed to be a blessing. In fact, in Jeremiah 29 7, it says, you know, you, you make sure that you reach out and love and pray for this city that you are now in. And the people of that day probably scratched their head, the, the Israelites, and said, we are captive in this city. We well, what are you talking about? We should be going back to Jerusalem. And maybe that is God's ultimate plan. But God says, I've got you there for a purpose. And you are blessed to be a blessing. I want you to seek the prosperity of that city. I want you to pray for that city. And we see this principle outlined all throughout the scripture, the fact that we are here for a purpose. Galatians tells us that Christians, us, are now considered citizens of Jerusalem that is above Peter 1.1 1, 1 tells us we are resident aliens. It's like we live currently in a city. We live in the city of Ipswich or the surrounds. But we're resident aliens. We're implanted here. Sometimes we feel strange in this world that we live in, but we're here for a purpose. Jesus tells us that we are a city on a hill in Matthew 5.14. Communities of Christ followers encapsulated within a city our ultimate allegiance lying to God, but to bring blessing to the city. It's always the heart of the gospel. We're not here to shout at our world, condemn them like the Westboro Baptist guys with their placards. We're not called to hate people on Facebook and condemn them for the life that they live, you bad people. But we're also not called to hide away in a little conclave, making sure we're not touched and influenced and we're also not called to be changed by the culture that we're in but to be people that change the culture that we're in because we're blessed to be a blessing 
to bring prosperity to this world. It always follows. It's always the next step in God's plan to lead us outward. God always touches us, blesses us, and points us outward. Have a look at Abraham in Genesis 12. It's amazing. Abraham meets God. He has a revelation of God. And the first thing God says to him is, leave your country, your people and your father's household, and the land I will show you. Go. Leave. Get out of your comfort zone, Abraham. Stretch yourself. Pick yourself up. Pick your family up. Pick up everything that's comfortable and go to that country out there, a place you've never been. Go somewhere that you're not even sure about. Go. Stretch. Because you're going to be a blessing to the nations and you're not going to do it where you're sitting right here. Go. You know, this is all throughout the scripture. When you have an interaction with God, when you really understand God's goodness and his grace in your life, when you understand who he is, he changes you here and he causes you to head out there to impact others, to make a difference to others. In fact, if you want a test of where's my faith at? Where's my love for Christ? Do I understand the blessing I've got? Then ask the question, are you living your life for others? Is it causing you to look outward? Is it causing you to walk out in faith? John Calvin says, we are saved by grace and faith alone, something we all agree with, but not by faith that stays alone. We are saved by grace and faith alone, but not by a faith that stays alone. In other words, once it touches you here, it must not remain here, it must go out. It must cause something to change. The word mission is from the Latin word missio, which means to be sent. To be sent. That's what mission's all about. That's why it's so important we understand the first part, that we're blessed. Because our blessing comes firstly from God and who He is. When we understand God and who He is, it changes our hearts. Our consumer mentality changes. I don't know about you, but our whole world, our whole life is about living for us, about promoting ourselves, about being a success, advancing ourselves, our own notoriety, what people think of us, how many friends we have on Facebook. I, I was in the car the other night with a bunch of, of young people and I heard them in the back talking about how many followers they have on Instagram and how important it was to them. You know, these things start to melt away because we're changed by Christ. We suddenly realize we don't have to live for ourselves anymore because what you received was never from you. So it allows you to live beyond yourself. And the point is, you're not a star anymore, but you're a servant and it's okay with you. And you know, in the early centuries, that's what changed the world more than anything else was the graciousness and the love that the Christians lived with because they understood they were blessed. There's stories of Christians being taken to the lions and linking arms and with smiles on their faces singing hymns as they were ravaged. And instead of stopping people becoming Christians, people said, I've got to have that. What is it that they've got? How do they walk through the circumstances of life like that? That is something not of this world. And it happened because they understood the blessing that they had. We're blessed. And you might think, oh, that's just Abraham. No, look at all through the scripture, Moses and Exodus 3, with the burning bush, and God tells him to go to Pharaoh. He has an encounter with God. I see you, God, burning bush. Go to Pharaoh. 
set my people free, change the world, Moses. Oh, well, it's just Moses and Abraham. No, it's all through the scriptures. Genesis 31, Jacob, leave this country. Actually tells him to go back, which is interesting, to, to Israel. So sometimes, it's always getting out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you've got to go and sort some things out. It's a whole other story. Oh, it's just the Old Testament. What about Luke chapter 5? In Luke chapter 5, Peter is fishing all night, not catching anything, right? It's the first time I think Peter gets a real revelation of who Jesus is fishing all night, not catching anything. I know what that's like. I was on holidays last week and I fished for three hours with my daughters. You try that, fish for three hours with three little girls and not catch a thing. We caught one thing, but I caught one thing and that made it even worse, right? (laughs) Three hours, nothing. Peter's fishing for hours, all night. Jesus comes along, maybe you should just fish on the other side of the boat. I always think that's hilarious. Peter says, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a carpenter, but you might also be God, so I'll give it a go. And he switches to the other side of the boat. Now he catches a massive truckload of fish. That shouldn't change his heart, but he gets a revelation. This is not an ordinary, this is God. What does he do? He says, I'm a sinner. You don't say that to anybody, but God, I'm a sinner. Forgive my sins. I repent of my sins. I see who you are. What does Jesus say? So, oh, great. Just rest in that grace and the presence and stay there. No. Go. Go. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You get a revelation of me. You understand who I am. Then go. Go. Leave. Stretch. Become bigger than you are, who you are. Because I've got bigger plans for you. It's a joy. It changes our heart. It changes us from the inside out. You understand what happens as you catch who God is. And I'm saying this is so important because I'd hate for anybody to get, I hate, I hate for this to be Responsibility Sunday, if that makes sense. This is my responsibility as a good Christian. I'm meant to go out and help people. What are, you, what are you doing over there? I'm just provoking lasting change by sharing compassion and hope. Well, that sounds exciting. Oh, I've got to do it. I was told. You know what I'm saying? How boring. If, if we're compelled in our life because of a mission statement or a vision statement we put on our, on our wall, that is not what drives us. What drives us is our enraptured love of Jesus Christ taking over our life. It calls us on to greater things. This is your calling beyond anything. You know, 2016, you're not called to do budgets. You're not called to play it safe. You're not called to make a career for yourself. And I want to say this, there's nothing wrong with budgets. You should do a budget. (laughs) Mostly, you should play it safe. And we all make careers for ourselves, so you understand what I'm saying. You're not called to that. That's not the purpose that's not the, the number one goal, yet we make these things the number one goal. But when we get a glimpse of God, it changes us. You know, I heard it said recently, God is like a spiritual tornado. What does a tornado do? It draws things in, right? I wish I could spin like, what's the Tassie devil? That, you know, it draws us in, but does a tornado leave things in there? It, it, and it changes them. It sends them out. 
And those things fly when they crash the ground. So that's when the analogy doesn't work. But for us, we're sent out. God calls us in. Revelation of me, great, go. Change. Become bigger. Become better. And by the way, I don't believe there's any other way to get real joy. Just in case you're thinking, it is all just about, right, that's what my job is, and I love Jesus. I don't believe there's any other way to get real joy. And here's why I believe this. John 17, verse 8, Jesus is praying. Listen to what he says. As the Father is sending me, so I send them into the world. There it is again. We're called to go. But five verses earlier, 13, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I don't believe you get real joy until you start serving something bigger than yourself, until you take your eyes off yourself and all your wants and your desires and you start to get a picture of who God is and that he's calling you to save the world, that he's calling you to something that is far greater than anything that you could do in your own strength. Suddenly your heart has changed, your your life is not about your career advancement, your notoriety, your comfort, what people think of you, your own hurts. There ain't no other way until you leave your comfort zone. And yes, it's scary and yes, it's painful sometimes, but it's also more enjoyable. Joy wells up in your heart, it's boring back there, but it's stretching out there. That we can't save anybody from. Don't be surprised when it's stretching out there. You ask any new Christian, maybe you here today, just coming into the faith, you could just about join anything else. I'm joining the badminton club. Great, good for you. We, we support anybody that's into badminton. I've become a Christian. What? You think, what? You're like Ned Flanders. you like Ned Flanders. <laughs> Oh, they're just going to take your money. That's what churches do. And every, you're already a Christian. You were baptized as a Christian. Why would you want to go to come to the coast with us on Sunday? Don't be a Christian. You can pretty much be anything else in this world but a Christian. Because you're stretched. You open your mouth. You start to speak. You'll attract all of the stuff that comes with it. But a great joy wells up in you as you start to step out in faith and begin to follow God and open up your mouth. And of course, all of this leads us to the the end, that this is our vision for our church. I don't believe we have a particularly special vision. I I will say that because we're just following the vision that is all through the scriptures. We just come up with our own words to be a unique church. And by the way, I am proud of our vision. Provoking lasting change by sharing compassion and hope. That's what we're called to do. That's what should drive us on. That we would be unique. That we would change the world by sharing compassion and hope. That we're blessed to be a blessing. One more scripture on this. Listen to, listen to the two halves. Blessed to be a blessing. 1 Peter 2.5 For you are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests. This is you. I mean, it was, it was to a church in that day, but the Spirit of God meant it to be spoken to us here this morning. God's holy nation, His very own possession. Wow, I am so blessed. Did you hear all that? I'm a king. I'm God's holy nation, His very own possession. I'm so blessed. But look at Peter. He can hardly 
stop himself going to the next part. This is so you show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's like Peter is saying, don't you forget who you are, but don't you, don't you stay there. Don't, don't you rest in that. Don't you just hold on to that thing and keep it all to yourself and, and start to get a bit of that worldly philosophy in now. Just as long as I'm rich, my business is successful, people think good of me. No, I think Peter would vomit at that. He says, come on, bigger things, greater things. Be countercultural. Understand where real joy comes from. Pray that you would get a greater revelation of who God is. So a catalyst is blessed to be a blessing. And again, I could just keep on talking about this. I hope we're catching hold of it. But I want to talk now about what we want to do for this year. And really, it is in two halves. We're blessed to be a blessing. If you think about our mission statement, we connect with God, we grow in a group. It's really about grabbing a hold of who Jesus is in our life so that we serve the church and we go to the world. The second part, that's our discipleship process. It's not complicated. We connect, we grow, we serve and we go. And I just want you to have a look at some of the, the ways, these are not all the ways, but just some of the ways that we want to bless our church this year, that we want to allow you to grab hold of God's blessing for your life. We've talked a lot about these, I'm not going to go too much into them, but Next Step Courses is a way that you can grab a hold of more of God's blessing in your life. Now why have we done this? Is it because we want Catalyst to be smarter? No way. But we want Catalyst to be more obedient. We want Catalyst to be freer. We want Catalyst to grow in their discipleship. This might be in leadership or going deeper and budgeting or in parenting or all of these different things. But all of them are about grabbing hold of God's blessing in some way. Now, just a, a side note, why are we doing courses? Because it's, it's clear, it's not a phenomenon just in this church that just preaching alone is not enough. We need then a groups or different settings, connect groups, smaller groups, courses where we can talk to each other, hold each other accountable, get specific wisdom and advice, strengthen each other as we keep on moving. So we'll be doing this twice a year. We kick off next week. I see that there's sign-up sheets down the back there. We'd love our whole church to be a part of this. We're saying to connect groups, don't have your connect groups. This is so valuable. Now, you'll have community while you come along. You'll still be supported in many different ways but but come along some groups are saying we're like ultra christians and we're going to also have our connect group that's okay but i'd say if you're choosing make sure you're a part of a course grab a hold of that the second block of the year will be even better great stuff coming up connect groups remain the the backbone of how we do church this year it's where life change happens best i keep saying it you won't you won't grow ultimately ultimately unless you're in a group of some description because again, you're challenging each other. Maybe your next step this year is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join a group. I'm going to learn what that means, just what community is. Iron sharpens iron. Maybe for you, it's just, I'm going to step up and I'm going to lead a group this year. What a great way to give. What a great way to begin to stretch. I, I've loved watching the journey of um, Jacko and Lizzie. I, don't, I, I think I saw Lizzie earlier. 
um, you know, they began connect group leading last year and I've checked in with them as the year went on and I've seen joy in them as they nervously began and they had a great kickoff and different things have happened. They've had some nights where hardly anybody showed up. That was a bit hard and then lots of people showed up and, but we're signing up for it again this year. We're going to keep going. Maybe your job this year is to say, I can do more. I can step up. I can find real joy as I do that. Men's and women's ministry, these are just some of the things that are changing. Uh, we're so blessed with faithful men and women that have served, by the way. We've had brilliant leadership in the past. And again this year, great people are stepping up. Laura Rigby has got great dreams and visions for, for women's. I've been chatting with her about it. Duncan Brown is uh, heading up men's ministry. Now, I, I just want to give this a plug. We've got him on the screen here. We're so privileged in a couple of weeks' time. There's a men's breakfast that kicks this all, all off. It's where Duncan will be sharing his vision for the year. But we just happen to have former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson is going to come and share with all the, with all the blokes. And now he, he is a great Christian man. He's got some great insights for us. Be a part of that. Sign up to that. By the way, Duncan needs blokes to flip sausages. He said to me the other day, if you can give a plug for that, just guys that will turn uh, the sausages on the barbecue. It's going to be nice and casual here in the church. Be a part of it. Love you to be a part of that one. Um, what else is going on? Bible reading plan. We have a um, Bible reading plan that we've had called um, Life Journal Reading Plan. It's been brilliant. It has served us so well. I, can't, I think it's been more than probably 16 years we've been using that plan. But we just sense, and I'll go into this more in eSource and next week, we sense it's just time to change that, to freshen it up. There's some brilliant new plans this year. There's one called uh, Own It 365 that has a host of plans that you can choose, and we're going to encourage our church to do that. Next week, we'll focus on that. We'll really outline it, and we'll launch it. Uh, love you to sort of maybe start investigating that. Uh, one of the keys is, though, that you're Bible reading and journaling. They say it is a keystone habit. If you get that habit right, you'll move on in your Christian faith. Uh, everyday Catalyst. I definitely meant to grab one of the Everyday Catalyst cards and I think they've all been collected and taken and, I, and I've forgotten, but that's all right. You can see it up on the screen there. This one is, it's almost going to bubble along under the surface. Last year, about 100 of us got together and just said, what does it mean to actually live out your Christian faith, what would that look like for people that go to Catalyst Church? How will that look? And I'm telling you, after a lot of work and a lot of meetings and pulling data right down, we came up with 12 different goals for what we want to look like. And we're going to be aiming at those goals. We'll be looking at ourselves and saying, where do I stand? If, if I'm kicking these goals, I'm doing okay, I'm growing I'm, I'm discipling, I'm moving on in my faith. So we're going to be preaching on that. We're going to be measuring that as a church. It, it, it changed our perspective to how many people came to church on a Sunday to things like, do you feel equipped as a mum and a dad just to share uh, the gospel with your children? That's a great goal, but it's a hard one to judge. And we're going to be working on these things as we move on during the year. Now, there's some of the things that can bless us, and I hope they will be a blessing to you. But what really gets me excited is then how we turn these things into what we will serve other people. Again, how do we be a blessing this year? Again, next step courses, they're not just about our growth, they're about giving. I've already talked about leadership being a fundamental. Here's another one. It's 
been in my heart for years and years. It's a hard one to crack, but it is just the fact that a church is always meant to love and serve each other. We carry each other along on the journey. It's never meant to be the job. It's unbiblical and it's unhelpful for just some paid staff to do all the work that pastors are supposedly supposed to do. John, do you mind standing up for a minute? I mean, John is our pastoral care pastor. Just turn around, John. Everybody wave to John. Give him a hand. He does, he's doing a great job. Everywhere I go, people are like, man, we did well getting John. And so I, I do thank you, John, for coming and serving. Sorry? I'm oh, mostly Josie. See, that only made him better, didn't it, really? <laughs> See, that's the sort of thing you do. But what if we said every phone call we get, John, funeral, can you do it? John, somebody's going through a pastoral issue. Can you, can you sit? John, there's a counselling. John, somebody needs a meal. John, somebody needs some prayer. What's going to happen to John? At the end of the day, John will be exhausted. He'll be burnt out. You'll be frustrated because John didn't, John didn't come and help me out like I expected. And, and nobody's happy. Meanwhile, where's Mary? I'm pretty sure Mary was here this morning. Stand up, Mary. Mary, for instance, actually does, I believe, have the... Mary's got many giftings, but a pastoral gifting. And Mary's sitting over there going, I probably could help out, but I'm not a paid pastor, so I'll just stay back. And the whole time, Mary's been given a pastoral gifting. She's meant to serve the body of Christ, and it's all going to John. And it was never meant to happen that way. John's role, more than anything, is to equip Mary and all of the others of you that love helping and serving and encouraging and coming alongside. Now, don't miss this. We all have a role to play in that. Nobody gets to say, oh, I'm, I don't like people. So, I, you know, <laughs> I won't be helping anybody. You don't get to say that, all right? But... We understand that some of you are a bit like that and, you know, that's base level. Connect group leaders have a role in this, but others, we'd love to, this year as we go on, maybe train up five, ten, I don't know, volunteer pastors that say, hey, we're going to help carry the load. We're a part of Catalyst Church together. Isn't that great? Why don't you give Mary a hand? She just became a pastor. Well done, Mary. Awesome. Just go and see Mary. Do you have any needs? Needs for meals, anything like that? Okay, uh, just keep on moving and I'll move a bit faster. All sorts of brilliant things. Coach is another one. It's down at the bottom here. I talked about this last year, if you remember, and we didn't make it. That's okay. That's the whole point of having a vision and a dream, but we've made it this year. What's Coach all about? You know, we had a word on this church from a preacher called Nicole Connor. She said, you'll have people coming to your church, but they won't be clean sheep. They'll just be people with a bit of life that's happened to them. Nothing, maybe out of the ordinary, just dirty sheep. And your job will be to help them along, help them back to wholeness. Now, again, some people will put their hand up and say, I want to help, but I don't know how. I don't know how to work with people that have just got all sorts of stuff going on. I don't know how involved to get, when to pull back, when to say yes, when to say no. And Coach is a program which just give specialised training. We don't envisage being many more than about 10 people would be involved in that one. But again, it might be you. See, the body is all made up of different gifts. We want the teachers to rise up and connect groups. And we want the pastoral care shepherders to, to rise up. And we want the prophetic gifts. We want them all to rise up. And we're trying to find 
avenues for that to happen. Richard Latham and Mandy Matzelberger sort of co-leading that together and we'll be launching that in the next few weeks. I'm going to move fast and there's things like Cap Debt Centre. Uh, that, that one in itself has seen great results but I just can't talk too much. Empart, uh, you know, there's a trip, a missions trip going I think in March of this year from our church. If all goes to plan, I'm leading the next one in 2017. Maybe you can start saying, I'm going to be a part of that. Vital Ministries will be continuing to support. Gateway Children's Fund, great plans are afoot. Park to Park, I, I love Park to Park. We keep talking about it last year. We had our most successful year. We shut down our morning services and we said, we're just going to go and be a church. We're going to be a light in the hill in the middle of Ipswich with thousands of other Ipswichians and stand out and make a statement. Ordinary Heroes in February 21. Again, we get paid by our council to run an award ceremony for Ipswich. And we'll be doing that in just a couple of weeks. Uh, John Anderson will be speaking at that and we'll be highlighting the works of brilliant people, uh, mainly the works of Christians this year that are working throughout our city. An interesting one is something called Pays. We aren't quite over the line with this yet, but we're looking at getting six international interns who will come and serve our church and our community from August this year. So they'll come in here and they'll serve. Their whole aim is to mobilise young people that will then mobilise more young people. They've got a great vision. We're excited to have them come and be a part of the church and serve our church and our community. How does that affect us? Really, in one way, you might want to plant this seed. We need people to billet them. That's a bit of a challenge. So there's six and we need different people to be able to say, hey, I'd be willing, this, is, this would be a great way to bless people, just to have one of them come and stay in my house. What a blessing that would be. Again, we'll talk more about these things. Then we have all sorts of community markets. What a surprise that was last year when we had hundreds of people coming onto our property. And what I loved was on the day, um, people like Anton and Tim and others coming to me going, next year we can use this like this. You know, they're talking about having a prayer stall, for instance, where people can just come in and we'll pray for them. All sorts of opportunities to love and bless people as they come on. Kids Blitz Super Sunday. Uh, we got a great Christian singer and musician coming. GLS, A2A, CRI, High School Chaplaincy, Operation Christmas Child, Compassion. Uh, beyond all of that, maybe it's just what God has put on your heart to love somebody, to invite somebody to church. Why? Because you're blessed to be a blessing. And it is worth saying again, how do we pull all this off? How is it even possible? It's because of God's grace, but certainly it is because plenty of you are blessed by God and you say, I want to be a blessing. And you, you make that step by your pocket. And week by week, so many of you say, here, this is, this is my way of blessing this church. This is why I want us to see us thrive. And you know, beyond anything else this year, maybe 2016 is about you saying for the first time, I'm signing in, not just with my time, or not just by attending, but I'm going to begin to give. Not because Carl told me, but because I'm blessed to be a blessing. Because this church has to take up its mandate to touch the world. You know, we, I, I, I can hardly believe how much God blesses this church and what we can do on sometimes such a thin budget, we've scaled things back because we're building buildings we're, and, and it's such a strange time economically. I'm telling you, 
we need you to bless us by continuing. Some of you just continuing to be faithful. Some of you need to begin to be faithful as you give. You might ask with all of this, as we really finish here, how is all this possible? And keep going back to what Abraham did. He, God doesn't mind that question. Even today, you might be challenged with one of those things. Oh, I could do that. I could have a billet. I could begin to give. But hang on, how? How is that possible? Here's what I feel is non-negotiable in all of this. It is this thing called faith. It is this understanding of who God is. God asked Abraham about this question. Abraham asked God, says, how is this possible? God, I'm an old man, it's not possible. And God says, just, just let me show you who I am. And he takes him outside and he, he shows him the stars. Abraham asks for one and he shows him billions. He says, Abraham, I am a God of provision. Abraham, there is so much at my disposal, but I need you to take a faith step. I need you to keep walking. I need you to trust me. He understood who he was and he walked by faith. You know, for you, it, it, you might have for many years now understand that you're blessed, but you can't step out because you just feel like you're limited in your resources. Well, God would say to you, step out in faith. Trust me. I believe that is when God's blessing kicks in more than any other time, but it happens as we step out. Sometimes you don't see it, but it happens as we stretch to say, God, you're enough. We're going to listen to a final item by the band right now, and then as they finish, we're actually going to pray corporately for 2016. So let your faith uh, be encouraged as they sing and then be ready to pray.